Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the Media tab. Thank you and God bless. Good Sunday morning, the Sunday before Christmas. We're glad that you're able to join us this Sunday morning as we gather together to worship Him, to magnify Him, to give Him glory. Thank you for joining with us. And so we're going to get started this morning with a word of prayer first, and then we're going to move into some, well, some Christmas carols. It's our last Sunday to be able to enjoy those together traditionally. So we hope that you'll join with us as we worship Him together. Lord, bless this time together as we come to you, magnify you, glorify you, lift you up. I pray your hand and your touch upon this time together. Reach into homes this morning, renew and restore. Let your presence continue to envelop and touch. Lord, inhabit the praises of your people this morning. Guard us, guide us, touch us this morning with your love shed abroad in our hearts as we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him together, shall we, with some Christmas carols.
Amen. I love that song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It speaks volumes, and I'll be sharing a part of that in the message here this morning. But I'd like to just, again, remind you of some people that we continue our lifting up and praying for. Want to continue to remember the Maylies as they recover from COVID. Also, if you would, continue to remember Ron Phelps, who was scheduled for surgery, but then found that he had tested positive for COVID. And now, as well, his wife and, and grandkids and others, they too are dealing with this scenario and situation of coming down with COVID. We have a number of people that are, that are fighting through. Uh, you know, I look forward to normality next year. Lord is going to take care of some things, I believe. There's some things happening, but we're believing that God, even though those are facts, there's a higher truth, and his name is Jesus. So we want to remember them, as well as George Chepke. Uh, many of you are already aware that they diagnosed him with cancer in the spinal cord, and he is dealing with some issues from that, some physical issues on top of that. And uh, Pat's dealing with it as well and trying to help George at this time. So remember the Chep Keys as we go to prayer this morning. There's a number of our family members, number of them that are recouping from COVID. There are some that are, are, are dealing with other issues around this time of year. Uh, it's a tough time in many ways. I mean, when troubles hit, it seems like they're amplified because of the time of year as well so lord we just come to you we we haven't mentioned all the needs but they're there on our prayer list that we've received and i just pray that you would minister in a way that only you can as we lift them up from our hearts as we bring out the uh, the, the the awareness of compassion that lays on our hearts lord i know that there is a a a, a hand that's at work within their life that is greater than any other hand that goes beyond imagination that becomes to them what they need you to be. I pray your healing virtue be released in their lives, that you would impart your health to them. God, that you would just touch them this morning, wherever they're at, and may they feel, may they experience, may they be aware of your hand and your touch because of those who are lifting them up in prayer right now. Lord, I just pray, cover them, wash them, touch them, renew them, restore them. Let them know that you're at work within their lives through that which you have done and purchased for them. Lord, I pray your blessing, your favor, your health. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Continue to lift them up. And again, We've uh, emailed you the bulletin here on a weekly basis so that you can be aware of things that are going on. Plus, our prayer list is included in that. And we are also listing prayer requests that we receive on our social media site so that others might be aware and be praying for them as well. And speaking of the bulletin, just want to remind you again that our services will continue to be online only for the next couple weeks. We're looking, believing that we can come back on January 3rd. So please mark that, be prepared for that. It'll be a brand new year to start a brand new way. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day together. So 
please be aware of that. Also, speaking of church, uh, Zoom at this point will continue on January 6th as far as meetings. So we want you to be aware of that. That'll be taking place come the beginning of the year. Want to say thank you to all of those who contributed to the gift cards. I mean, you talk about over the top. We were able to take care of every kid, foster child in Portage County and even double it. That's how much came in. So the majority of them all got a double amount from what was anticipated the first time around. That's huge. And I want to say thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for what you contributed. And oh, I can tell you what, there's some blessing going on in the county today because of you. So God bless you for that. Thank you so much. Also want to remind you that this coming Thursday evening at 6 p.m., we'll be having our Christmas Eve Carols by Candlelight service. It'll be online only, but we have specials. We have rendition speakers. We have a service for you that night, along with the carols and the candlelighting ceremony that goes along with Silent Night. So I hope you'll be able to join with us. If not, you can check back a little bit later and enjoy that maybe later that night. But we want to encourage you to be a part of that together. Well, let me let you take a look at a few other announcements. And then we've got a special video I want to show you here this morning. And may God richly bless you as you take these announcements. You said we lost him. I found you off. Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh no, just that big, super bright one. I mean, it's like boom, blam. But I'm still gonna need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. Look at us, the four wise men. We're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't taste much more walking. It's been three years 
We should have been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. <clears throat> Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence, in honor of the Messiah? Totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? <laughs> We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness. The gold represents his royalty. The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Wait, 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 wait. just listen, listen. I think, I think I've got a better gift. A gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing, a gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh yeah. Wait for it, wait for it. Ba-blam! Hummus! <laughs> you must be kidding. Do you mean you must be kidding? Because I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. Hummus is delicious, okay? And, and it's very, it's very symbolic. People unite together when they see hummus. Much like a savior. Okay, okay. This is my bad, this is on me. You guys go see the Messiah, I'll just stay here. I think that would be best, but at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought it just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a he's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior too. Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. Ba-blam! Amen. You know, sometimes it's interesting to take a different look at this time of year through a different set of eyes to sort of bring home the point that needs to be made. This morning I want to take a look at this Christmas story in a little bit different way and to share with you as well, and, and I want to again just invite you to our Christmas Eve service. I'm going to bring to you a message concerning or surrounding Mary and her journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So we'll be talking about that more, but this morning I want to go ahead and start with a passage of Scripture. There's going to be several, but a passage of Scripture that starts in Luke's Gospel in chapter 1, and it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them 
were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Now, this is the precursor to where we're going to be going concerning the birth of Christ. And I'm just going to say right from the very beginning concerning the birth of Jesus, that it just didn't happen. Okay, then there's been a waiting that's been going on throughout the entire Old Testament. All the prophets have been talking about it. They've been prophesying about the birth of the Messiah. And, and, and so we're, we're starting in, in, in Matthew, and, and you see, by the time Jesus is born, the Holy Spirit assumes that you have read the Old Testament, that you've been there, you've heard the word spoken, and that you've already digested this. So there's something already taking place that's not been discarded, but that you're aware of how huge this really is. So what you have is the anticipation of the birth of Christ. But you also have the reality that this birth is anticipating a death and a resurrection. You take a look at these people that emerge during this time. And, and what was in their heads? What's going through their minds? All these people that surfaced through, to, throughout this, what we call Christmas story. Well, uh, the reality is you have the uh, angel that appears and then there's fear, but they know, the shepherds know what they're talking about. And, and afterwards you've got this worship that takes place. I mean, where are they coming from? What, what's going on in their heads? You know, first they're, 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 they're living in the middle of a, a dead religion. When you talk about the religion of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're legalistic and cold. There, there's, there's nothing to them but everything that's been man-made that nobody can live up to. It's, it's an empty, hollow shell. And in the midst of a people of love, you've got cold and you've got rigid. It, it didn't fit. It wasn't working. It was indeed man-made. Also, you're surrounded with, well, with Rome. And Rome is nothing but a bunch of atheists and, and paganists that exist. And then you bring into that from the Greek side, the philosophy side of things. It's a mess at this point in time in history and in our world. So you, you have these people, this little cluster, this little remnant, we'll call them. And, and where are they coming from? What's in their minds? What are they thinking as, as, as this time approaches and things are happening? They're, they're the godly of Israel. Remember that. They were raised a certain way. At four or five, for example, they would have memorized Leviticus. Oh, gotta love that book, Leviticus. As a matter of fact, I'm just finishing up in my home studies. And there's some interesting things in there, but I can also guarantee you it's not the first book in the Bible I would choose to memorize, but they did. Why? Because you learn that the shedding of blood deals with the remission of sin. That's all the way through there. It's a foundation. And then as you get older, by the time that you're 12, you've memorized Genesis, Exodus, as well as Numbers and Deuteronomy. So you've memorized, and, 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 and it's, it's an incredible amount 
But you go through this, this grueling exam afterwards. We know it as bar mitzvah. And believe me, back then, it was a whole lot stronger, a whole lot difficult than it was than it is right now. Bar mitzvah is an interesting Hebrew word. It's, it simply means, bar mitzvah means sons of law, sons of the law. So the rest of your life after the age 12, you spend learning the prophets and the future of your people. Now, take that into consideration because you're gonna learn the history and you're gonna learn what it meant. You're gonna learn the promises that are there. And the first promise would be when man had fallen, okay? Go back to that time in the garden and he had been born again, I call it backwards, okay? Instead of doing a forward thing, he's doing a backward thing. He's going the wrong way. His condition is now separated from God, where he was joined together with God. So he's going backwards. He's, he's, he's born again backwards in that sense. Man walks out into a world that he created by sin, by that condition of independence. And so into that, God gives him a promise. It has nothing to do with him, has nothing to do with Eve. It's not dependent upon them. I, I, that's huge. It's not dependent upon what they do or don't do. This is dependent upon God. And that promise is that the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. I like that because where's the venom of the serpent? It's, it's not in its tail or its midsection. It's a gland that's right there in the head. And, and as a result of that, that head is going to be smashed. It's going to literally crush the head where the venom, where the poison is at. In other words, he's going to turn the curse around as a member of this race. It's not just going to be by God doing an arbitrary through this race, this curse will be turned around. And then, and then take it to Adam or to Abraham, for example. And you, Abraham gets this word in the country of Ur, and, and he would have a, that he would have a son, and through him he would have this mighty nation. And out of that mighty nation, and out of that nation, this this one, through him all families of the earth would be blessed. The word blessed, I love that word blessed. It means to enable and to empower you. Blessed means to, 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 to bless the recipient. It means to prosper, successful. And, 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 and friend, when we bless somebody, we're empowering and enabling them. When you bless God, you're powering and enabling them. And so the word blessed carries the idea of a recipient, and it means that you might become prosperous then toward God. I love that. That's the opposite of failure. Man failed. Man failed. Man fell, and he failed. And, and as a result, the, the fall empowered him to Satan. He, you're talking about... It, he failed. He didn't. It's not blessed. God is saying now to Abraham, or Abram at that time, not failed, but blessed. 
It's the complete opposite, if you would. And then he adds this covenant, and there's a there's an oath there in Genesis 15 that, that you can take a look at. It's a covenant, and he says, my word I give to you, and, and, and underscore it. He says, I swear by myself. Whoa, that's heavy. In other words, it's not two people entering into something. It's, it's that God is entering into this, and he's saying, I swear by myself, I will keep my word, I will do it. He knew there was a deliverer coming. And, and now we know what race that deliverer is going to come through. Let me say this as a foundation of this message. And if you don't take anything away from this today, I hope you take this. And the reality of that is that God is not casual, but committed. I think sometimes we approach God like he is just casual. He does things when he wants to do things. He goes this. No, he operates in principle because of his commitment. You can take a look at that and understand that, that God is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forevermore because he's not casual, but committed. Now, to, to move on from this point, it is the fact that we have a descendant of Abraham. His name is David, David the king. And if you remember correctly, God gives David a covenant. God says that through David, a deliverer is going to come. But you add to that now a new dimension. And, and, and the fact is that not only is there a, a new dimension called, he'll be a king. This, this covenant that we're talking about that he's given to David is that this dimension, he'll be a king. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then, or through David, a king will come. Now, now we have a, a descendant of Abraham. And as a result, now the family of David. We're getting an idea now. Uh, that's the point. We're getting an understanding here. And, and, and the first prophet to take off on that is Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 9, and, and beginning with verse 6, he'll say, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And then he'll describe that kingdom that we just read. While Isaiah is prophesying, there in the courts of, of Israel, Micah's down in the next village, down saying the same thing, but he says that it's going to happen in Bethlehem. How, how is that going to happen? Well, he says it in chapter 5 there and verse 2. He says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathim, through you all through, uh, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Jerusalem or over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient. Oh, that's a huge verse. So you've got Adam, and then you've got Abraham, and then you bring that down to David. And then Isaiah talks about, you know, the, the fact that it's going to be in chapter 7, a, a virgin. 
and then Micah, that is, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then when all things are falling apart, okay, and Jerusalem is falling apart, and, and, and things are, are going downhill, and they're about to go into captivity, Jeremiah comes along, and he declares what we know as the new covenants. And in that new covenant, he spells out how this kingdom is going to reign and how it will take place. And I, I love it when you walk through that in Jeremiah 31. And, you know, and, and, and you talk about how the Ten Commandments, for example, written on stone. God says, forget it. I'm going to take that stone, push it away, and now I'm going to write my loves on their heart instead. And instead of commandments, they're going to become desires. That's huge. Ezekiel, for example, said that God would put his spirit in us, causing us to walk in his ways. Not from behind us, pushing us, which is basically what's happened with Israel all through the Old Testament. Jeremiah said, they will know me from the least to the greatest. That is, in other words, you're going to know him instantly, face to face. Doesn't matter how long you've known about him, you're all going to know him immediately. And into the midst of that, he says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. So he's going to take his law and he's going to write it on our hearts and place it in our heads. He's going to say, he says then to that new covenant, the second thing is to, they will know me from the least to the greatest. The third thing is that into the midst of that, he says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. And the fourth part of that covenant, I mean, you've got to ask the question, how is that going to all happen? Because he says, your iniquity, your sins will be forgiven you and they will be remembered no more. Man, you get in the scripture and there's all sorts of fun things getting there. If I get into Daniel, I wish I had the time to do this, but around chapter nine, you, you get into some things that he's talking about that's sort of been encrypted there. And one of those, the, these, you know, remember Daniel's one of those captives asking when all this will take place. And in Daniel nine there, God shows him in about 500 years that he would come. He would come. And after that, you have Malachi, and there you have the last words, the last words that are spoken by him. And as a result, there's silence. And you remember what Malachi talks about there. It talks about that Elijah will come again, that he'll make those paths straight. He'll be the great announcer. And after that word, it's done. That's it. The next item would be Elijah to come and to prepare the way. And these people understand this. I mean, this is the mind-blowing thing to me. After all these prophecies, after all these words, after all this time, that was it. There's not another word that's given in 400 years. They waited generation after generation. 400 years. I mean, let's be real, friend. That's a long time. 400 years. Think back from where we're at in, in 2020, what 400 years looked like back in the 1600s, so to speak. 
if, if something took place in 1600, we're getting to here, it's going to just seem like, you know, folklore is what it's going to seem like. We call it a myth. No one's going to believe something from that era, that time. You got Rome at this point now, who's ruling. They're a big problem. I mean, I can't even get into the fact of the garrisons and everything else that are taking place and the, and, and the difficulty that Israel is dealing with at that point. You, you want to talk peace, the peacemaker, the Messiah? I mean, no, -uh, not with what were they're saying. I mean, it's a mess. You've got a mafia kind of set up within the Sanhedrin and plus other things that are going on. Look, we don't live in the prophet's times anymore. But there were some who did believe and believed his word. And one man who prayed and believed and, and read Daniel, this guy had a son. And he named that son Zechariah. He named them, uh, he named him out of, well, whenever you gave a name to a child, you were naming them out of your hope. It was either a prayer or a prophecy that you were given. But the reality is you were giving that name out of, as a parent, your hope. Your hope for them. Your hope for what does take place. Now, Zechariah, what a great name. It literally means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. In other words, he's not going to let it go. He's going to remember. He's not letting this thing go. So you have Zechariah named Zechariah, this, 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 this child, the Lord remembers. And across town, there's another birth that takes place. She's a little girl, and her name is called Elizabeth. Those are two Hebrew words put in the one. So Elizabeth, El, which obviously means God, and that Beth, which means covenant. It, 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 it means the covenant of God. El, God, Beth, covenant, the covenant of God. So you have these parents, the parent, first of all, of the Lord remembers, and then you have the second parent of covenant of God, and, and they believe that it's going to come to pass, and these two would get married. So you have God remembers God will not let go. God remembers his covenant. Oh, man, you can just, mm, I can see it coming, pretty much. They came from the tribe of Levi, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest within the temple, and they prayed as a couple. I believe that. I, that would be their, 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 their norm. But there was a sadness that was there because Elizabeth continued to remain childless, which you, of course, know <clears throat> meant shame. God will remember his covenant. I love that. God will remember his covenant. Then there came that point. I love this because he's, he's fulfilling. I mean, you've got priestly duties that, that many, many priests would, would walk through. I mean, it was... It was a privilege, it was an obvious honor to be chosen to do the duties of the priest, offering up the incense before the veil. And it's a once in a lifetime chance that 
would take place this 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 because this incense represented praise and worship and was placed on the gold, the golden altar this this was one of the highest moments Zechariah could have as a, a, any priest could have within their life this day that lot fell to Zacharias, and he was, look at it. I mean, he, he just, so he goes before the altar, and he's, he's back there. But yet on the other side, as he's praying, he notices, he senses that something's going on here. There's somebody there. There's an angel on the right hand of the altar. And, and, and the angel it is saying, and, and, and listen to this, if you will. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Wow. You are to give John. It, it, do you understand what the name John means? It means the grace of God. I love it because his name's a sermon. His, 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 it means the grace of God. Grace. The gift, yes. I mean, when you take a look at the word grace, how it was used during the day of Christ's birth and during the time of Zechariah, and Elizabeth and and grace was something that for example the Roman guards would use it, it was a it was a title that was given when you uh, received something that you didn't deserve they used it in the pubs quite a bit actually to be honest with you let's say that you were a soldier and you got a bonus and as a result of that it was undeserved there was no reason you got it but you got it you would use that caritas, which is the Greek word for grace. That's what it talked about. You didn't earn it, and, and you got it. And, and the idea that when they would do this, they're basically saying that may the gods give you what you don't deserve. <laughs> That's a huge statement. The Christians, as a result of that, grabbed it, and they got it converted. And they added another meaning to it. They, they elongated it. They brought it home. And they added grace, that which is simply the reverse of what you deserve. Grace is the ultimate not fair, if you would understand it. If God was fair with us and give us what we deserve, call me a crispy critter. I'm, uh, that's, that's exactly what would be happening. But it's the reverse. That's the grace of God. It's the opposite of what we deserve. We deserve death, but he gives us life. We, we deserve darkness, but he gives us light. God's dealing with us, with man, begins with John. And, 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 and what is God's first move in 400 years? His name is John. God's... God, it's not who we are, it's who he is. Now, Elisha called a godless nation to turn to God. John 
called a godless nation to prepare themselves for the coming one. You, you, you have it there in, 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 in what the scripture is saying. And Zechariah, he, he, you, know, you go back to this, this, this temple time, and as he's there on the altar of incense, how, how can I believe you, he talks to the angel. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, look at me. I'm not exactly a, a young guy anymore. Neither is my wife. And he's looking at himself. He's looking at what he has. He's looking at what he can do about it, how he can handle it. He's looking at himself and saying, I don't have the resources to meet this thing. There's no way, shape, size, or form. Everything says no. And the angel says, okay. You want to look at it that way? You won't be able to speak. <laughs> I'd love to have been a fly on the wall through this time, but you got to see Zacharias. He comes out of there and the doors open and the people are, are wondering, man, he's been in there a long time. What's been going on? And, and, and Zechariah comes out grabbing his throat, you know, can't say anything. He goes home. You know the story. Elizabeth gets pregnant. Uh, and John is born, and it's a supernatural thing already that's taken place. And the news spread, you know, that Elizabeth had a baby boy, a baby Zechariah. The forerunner has come. Now, eight days later, the, the, the people are, are, are thinking, they're saying, go name him Zechariah, right? Zechariah. They always name the kid after the father, so to speak. You're going to remember, you're going to call him the Lord remembers, right? Right? And Elizabeth says, no, his name is going to be John. And all the neighbors, everybody's around there going, no, 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 you can't name him John. John? Really? What kind of a Hebrew name is John? So, so they get a tablet and they give it to Zechariah and he writes down J-O-H-N explanation point. And immediately his mouth opens. And I love his first words. They're, they're, they're huge in, in what he has to say. Uh, I, want, I want to read them to you very quickly. Uh, if I can find them. Well, wait a minute. Oh, here it is. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 67 there. Filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, that's a long prophecy. But let me give you the first part. It says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Whoa, something going on here. He knows it. He's been looking. Every prophet out of the Old Testament points forward to, to the distance. John, he's here. Grace of God, he's here. Now, and, 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 and he begins to go on and quotes from Malachi, so forth and so on. Let me just say something here. I, you know, when I, when, when I look up in the sky in the evening and I see the moon, and I look at the light that, that's shining from it, you know what that tells me? It tells me a promise, if you will, of, of a sunrise. Now, I, I know that might sound crazy to you, but at the same time, to be real with you, I'll just say very simply, it's a promise. Because the moon doesn't have any light of its own. It's a reflection of the sun's light that shines down on us. 
It's not a light. It's, it's there because of the light. And that light is called the sun. When I look at all the covenants that lead up to this point, and I look at the promises and the words that the prophets have spoken, when I look at all the covenants that have been exist and the promise, the promise that I see in the light of all those covenants, the promise is a sunrise. S-O-N. I, I say that because the sunrise is special, especially after being in darkness, after being in a place where there's light, but there's not much light, but then the sun rises after being in that darkness. And, and, and friend, sunrise also means that it's the end of the night, the end of the night. I want to read you a scripture found in Malachi here in chapter four. It says, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. That's a picture. That's a picture. You know, I take a look at this time of year and I think about the reality of, of what's going on and what's been said and what's been done, all that's led up to where we live right now versus the time that he was indeed born. And, and I'll come back to that truth that God is not casual. He's committed. He knows us. He knows where we're at. He knows what we're walking through. He doesn't do things by chance. These things didn't just happen to come together. There was something at work, something at bay, something that was being moved towards. And when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Let me just say this this morning. God's not casual about your life. God's not casual about where your life finds you right now. God is committed. He's committed to you. Oh, I know it might not feel like it. There's things that happen in this world. There's things that are going on right now. I don't like it any better than you do. And the reality of that is it's amplified even more this time of year. But God's not casual. God is committed to us. He knows us. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty, making intercession for you and me. God loves you and cares for you. He's got a future and a hope. And this time that we celebrate his birth, remember, it just didn't happen. There's something at work here, and you were on his mind. There, there is that point where we realize he didn't come just to come. His purpose was real, and it's available to you this moment. That grace that grace, that grace, God will remember his covenant, and that covenant is his grace. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word, and I thank you for your word to us in such a time as this. As we celebrate, as we lift up the birth of our Lord and Savior, it's not done shyly. It's not done as a, as a tradition. 
It's not done under something, oh, emotional. It's done out of the reality that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, may each of us this day realize that you're not casual. You are committed to us. And as a result of that, you don't leave us, nor do you forsake us. But Lord, I pray for those who don't know that relationship with you. I pray that this day they would know what it means to receive the gift of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Holy Spirit, as you've been prompting them, as you have been pulling on their hearts, as they realize themselves, they can't do this life by themselves. They, they need you. I pray, Lord, that they would say and understand what that word yes means to what you have done. Remind them it's not about what they're going to do, what they have. They simply receive what your grace is all about. And so I pray, Lord, this morning, if they're making a choice to have a relationship with you, they would pray that prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Save me and be my Lord this Christmas day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said yes to him and prayed that prayer with us, I want to invite you to put action to your choice. In other words, make it something solid. Tell somebody in that room what you just did today. And, and, and if you don't have anybody in that room, well, how about at least letting us know? You can email us here at office at richvenaag.com or you can give us a holler or a call. We'd love to talk to you because we also have additional information that we'd love to put in your hands to allow you to understand what that relationship is and to rest in what he's done. Now, I pray that you will continue to realize his commitment to you. And I also want to pray that you will have an incredible, wonderful, special Christmas this year, that the true meaning of this Christmas will come through in a way that it has never done in any other year. So may God richly bless you, encourage you, strengthen you. Lord, bless them in their coming ins and their going outs. Cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Give them peace. Continue to open the eyes of their understanding. Fill them with the knowledge of your will. Bless them, I pray, during this time, this time of celebration. I pray that you will protect them, keep them safe, and impart your health to them. In Jesus' name, amen. May God richly bless you. Merry Christmas.